Wow. Let's have a Bible study. The story is covered in all three synoptic Gospels. I'm choosing Matthew chapter 4 and reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, He fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to Him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. Some translations say to the pinnacle of the temple. And said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, He will order His angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the Scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the Scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil went away. The Luke passage adds, for a time, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Some initial thoughts. Satan came after Jesus when he was physically weak from fasting. God allowed Jesus to be tested, and his restraint demonstrated that he did pass the test 100% of the time. He was ready for his ultimate purpose. And a third initial thought, Jesus' act of saying no to temptation using God's Word as the sword is a model for us. Let's begin by looking at Satan's character just a little bit. Charles Stanley defines temptation as an enticement to get a person to act contrary to God's will. This differs from a definition of testing which would be an opportunity to sin or to trust God, where God has our success in mind during testing, while our enemy has our failure in mind when we're tempted. Satan literally means adversary, a fallen angel. His name initially was Lucifer, which means a bearer of light. The book of Ezekiel says that Satan was intelligent. And here's, I think, a blank if you're filling out your a sermon guide. If not, that's perfectly fine. But it is said that he was perfect in beauty, but completely evil. He desires to perpetrate evil in the lives of individuals and the entire world. Notice here that we must make a distinction. Satan is not the opposite of God. No, because God is the Yahweh creator. Satan does not compare to God. If we want to look at the opposite of Satan, we would look at Michael, the archangel. Satan disguises himself while attacking. 
2 Corinthians 11 suggests we should not be surprised because Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I think of the Allstate commercials and Major Mayhem Guy, right? Can you picture him? Think of all the different ways that discouragement and distraction can happen. He wants to cause collision by keeping us off of mission in the journey of our life, to think of our journeys where we travel as an analogy. While I was driving on Wednesday, there was snow coming at me and the parabola arcs that were coming wanted to almost hypnotize me. A guy in a Tacoma fishtailed right in front of me and Beth, it was really close. <laughs> it was, but uh, thankfully nothing serious happened. But I just want you guys to know that we are his workmanship created for good works in Christ. Satan wants to derail us like major mayhem. Over, over the years, I've been distracted by so many things. The new smartphone, the temptation to watch history videos while I'm driving is very strong. The ding, the ding, and if I get two dings, because every two minutes the re-ding happens, it's like, you better check this out, okay? Uh, I have been distracted uh, while driving by things like skateboards, billboards, and chess boards. Yes, my brother-in-law and John and I we used to play chess while on the Schuylkill Expressway going to the beach, and my dad's blue Econoline, three on the, on the handle, and it just it embarrasses me in thought, and what adds even uh, salt to the wound is he was driving, and he still beat me with a, with a Bishop Tonight move. I mean, it's really something else, but I just want you guys to understand that Satan hates us. Let's not beat around the bush here. He wants the bride of Christ to be tainted, so our adversary wants to get a foothold in your life and turn it into a stronghold. Are you allowing that to occur? Jesus did not. Satan twists the Word of God. He counterfeits. These are some verbs associated with Satan throughout the Bible. He steals. He deceives. He blinds. He accuses. He's not omnipresent, so he prowls about. Though not all-knowing, Satan and his demons have knowledge of our weaknesses, and the collective flaws of mankind throughout human history. Sort of like social media algorithms which track user sessions and then try to influence the content we consume and even maybe the purchases we make. Here are some names of Satan as they contrast to Jesus. Satan's the accuser. Jesus the life giver. Beelzebub means the Lord of Dung. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Satan, the devil, means slanderer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Satan is the ruler of this world, but Jesus is the light of the world. Satan is the God of this age, but Jesus is God with us. And the devil is the accuser of God's people, and Jesus is the great Redeemer. Satan is so jealous of God, he wants to be God. He wants to be worshipped. And so he unleashed an insidious attack on the Lord in the form of three temptations. Let's look at them briefly today. The first temptation was an appeal to appetite. Do what feels good, what meets your needs or wants. How dare God, your supposed father, for depriving you, his son, in your hour of hunger, can you hear the insidiousness of what Satan might have said in that reasoning? I want to remind you that eating is not the only topic being uh, referred to here. Nor is eating of itself wrong. 
Okay, we need to make sure, though, that we are eating to live, not living to eat. Jesus did not teach us to pray. Give us this week our smorgasbord with cookies and milk, O sovereign Lord. And, and so our appetites need to be in check. And Jesus was. His response was, man shall not live by bread alone. The emotional temptation came next. It was an appeal to fame from the pinnacle of the temple, looking down an estimated 450 feet into the Kidron Valley, a little less than the height of the Washington Monument for perspective. Satan essentially was saying, test God's protection over you. Give instant recognition to yourself. Did you know he was using Scripture? It is written, he said. But it was an abridgment, an abbreviation of two verses in Psalm 91. Jesus' answer a second time came from the book of Deuteronomy. He said, in essence, I do not need to test God by jumping in order to trust God. The third temptation was Satan's most vile, most transparent of all. It was a temptation to ambition and accomplishment. We could call it an appeal to power. The devil was saying, take control of the throne of your life. You don't need to go through this humiliation, the suffering, the cross to be a king. Just for a moment, just for one little moment, just bow down and worship me. Just for a moment, Jesus, do that. And Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. From what book? Deuteronomy. I wonder if Jesus' daily devotion that morning was from the book of Deuteronomy. Did any of you ever read a devotional at some point in the day or a passage of Scripture and you found it became ammunition for a situation later that day or encouragement? Have you felt that? Let that experience be a reminder and a builder of your faith. Jesus' perfection and restraint is so beautiful uh, in this proving ground. Unlike the first Adam, who despite having lush beauty all around him, a companion to share the beauty with, and the ability to name all the animals and eat from all the fruits except just one, he blew it just like you and I would have as well, but not Jesus. Jesus shows us a better way. He was fasting from earthly food, but at the same time feasting on spiritual food, communing with the Lord. And because of it, folks, he was not overcome by evil, and he could overcome evil with good. The redemption plan was on the path of suffering and death for you and for me. I like what Phil Yancey says about this. In order for Jesus to save others, quite simply, he could not save himself. That fact he must have known as he faced Satan in the desert, could not mean unwilling to because he was incapable. He was impeccable. Jesus passed that test. And as a result, we can read with great joy from Hebrews, we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus' armor was impenetrable. Satan left and the angels came and ministered to him.
We are called to confident discernment in our walk, clad in spiritual armor. During World War II, Adolf Hitler's Luftwaffe knew that they were inferior to the Royal Navy in the English Channel. They decided to lure out the weaker Royal Air Force, which was outnumbered with its spitfires and hurricanes, four to one by the German Messerschmitts and the Stuka bombers. Hitler underestimated the resolve of the British people, however, and the Royal Air Force. And those daytime bombings were unsuccessful, causing the Germans to switch over their attack to a more vile, insidious attack, nighttime bombing, most notably in September of 1940, with nighttime attacks on civilian targets. However, the Germans did not know that the British had developed a new weapon, radar. Using cautious counterattacks and carefully planned out options, the Royal Air Force held off the vastly superior German Air Force, and they were not able to break the British morale, thanks to a guy named Dowdy who played a major role. His role was as important as any soldier who ever bore a weapon. And I want you to know what Winston Churchill said in recognition of the Royal Air Force. He said, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so many by so few. The Royal Air Force had held them off and four months in, the Germans called this off. You know, that quote reminds me of what we could say about Jesus in this temptation. Never before in the field of spiritual contact of spiritual conflict has so much been owed by so many of us to so few. And his greatest act was yet to come three years later. Friends, here's the analogy. The Holy Spirit is our radar. It gives us an ability to discern. The radar in World War II talked about the altitude, the, the speed, and the direction of the attacks. And the Holy Spirit is given to us as believers to have an awareness and a protective cover. Charles Spurgeon says discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Let me give you a fishing analogy. Satan uses different lures to pull us in, looking toward our weaknesses. Some fish, I'm told, are, are drawn by sound, movement, brightness, and warmer temperatures. Some bait is live, some bait is artificial. Tell your neighbor right now what you've ever put live onto a fish hook. Do that briefly while I get a quick drink. Maybe it was a grub, maybe a minnow, maybe a good old Pennsylvania earthworm. But please understand that the devil wants to pull you and me into his boat so that we flop around in there and can't breathe. Look at this picture of fishing lures. Shakespeare was right when he said, all that glitters is not gold. Those things are ugly. That wouldn't make me want to grab it, would it you? But I believe the devil knows exactly what lures have worked and might work in the future on us. That company 
indicated last October that they have 350 new lures. You're looking at 12 of them there. Just 12. May I suggest what some of the spiritual lures might be for us? The devil might say, you're not good enough and hope we forget that, our, that His grace is sufficient for us and our power is perfected in His weakness. Satan might say, the grass is greener elsewhere, so leave your marriage, life will get better. Hoping we forget that what God has brought together, let no man separate. Another lore might be, your income status makes you less important, you underachiever. So wallow in self-pity, hoping we forget that a good name is more desirable than great riches. Proverbs 22, verse 1. You're not going to make, make it through this season of life, this situation. And I hope they forget that God said, I am with you always till the very end of the age. Can I get an amen, brothers and sisters? The enemy might say, you're only young once. So sow a few wild oats and pursue that handsome charmer. Where we read that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Or let's go to another end of the spectrum. You're so old, so just sit back idly. You are irrelevant in today's society, so just wait for the end. When in fact, Psalm 71 says, even when I'm old and gray, I will declare your power to the next generation. Another lore, harbor that bitterness. He did you wrong. No, I will love my enemies and I will not let a root of bitterness form. Hebrews 12, 15. Sometimes the enemy has thrown at me, maybe you, Multiple lures at the same time. Combinations, complexities. You did irreparable damage, therefore you've lost the moral authority to speak, and you are defined by your scars. That's where we need a double dose of Holy Spirit discernment. As far as the East is from the West, so far as He removed my transgressions from me, and by His stripes I am healed. Friend, you are not defined by your scars. You are defined by the scars of Jesus Christ who died for you. You're forgiven. It's forgotten forever. These lures reek of condemnation from Satan, not conviction from the Lord. We must discern the difference and cut the strings to the lures using the sword of the Spirit. Not debating Satan. Go at him with the Word. Here are some examples of sword fighting with Scripture. Think of each of these things as, as, as ammunition, as a, as a javelin missile or a stinger missile. I ask you please to understand that this dramatization is not meant to glorify or to minimize the seriousness of spiritual warfare. If you understand what I said, Say, got it. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Two of my favorite. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, not only to forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can never close this thing right. We're just going to leave you sitting there like that. By relying on the radar of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God as Jesus did, we can resist temptation. Look me in the eye. We can resist temptation instead of being ruined by it. Amen, brothers and sisters? Therefore, we can spend our waking moments on mission, not being overcome by evil, and then confessing and being forgiven to repeat the cycle again and again. But we can move on in that journey with major mayhem by the side, with the Lord of Dung being ineffective with us, and we can overcome evil with good in our society where God has assigned us to be specific beacons of light in dark places. Where is your wilderness area? What's your Eremos? The place or time when possibly due to physical or emotional exhaustion, maybe a lack of spiritual nourishment, you're vulnerable to the devil's blitz. It's important that we identify where we're prone to his attacks and let that place become a restorative fountain where his strength can be made perfect in our weakness. The best place to be when we're in the wilderness is to be in God's will. For me, it was nighttime, summer and fall of 2020 for several days in a row in July and August, and then periodically ever since. Uncertainties, fears, and outbursts of anger, especially towards what I saw as a, a change in the normalization of sin, uh, they began to plague me uh, beyond the point of, of saying, stop it, enemy. It kept coming as a wave and again and again. And Beth helped me so much through that time, but I didn't want to wake her up every time. But what I found was a help was to go to God's Word and, and recite Psalm 23 slowly and courageously and to recite biblically strong lyrics to songs and also to count specifically the blessings of that day and that week. There's a man who in the 1520s, 500 years ago, had had a friend who was martyred. His five-month-old baby died. 
The town of Wittenberg suffered a serious plague that required a quarantine with everyone staying in their homes. As a result, he was plagued by anxieties and depressions. And he went to God's Word. And over the course of time, peace was given to the man we know who reintroduced congregational singing in churches, who reminded the world in invigorating the church that the just will live by faith, not by works or buying indulgences, and that there is hope and grace in Jesus Christ. I speak of Martin Luther, and his processing came out in a glorious hymn written in 1529 called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. One of the verses says this, And though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word will fell him. That word is the name of Jesus. Friends, it's important that we're biblically literate so that we do not become spiritually vulnerable. 1 Peter 5.8 Peter, who, a man who was tempted and failed, but he failed forward, urges us, stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls about like a lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering as you. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So don't be, don't be surprised. And also, utilize God's provided means of escape. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. We must put on the armor of God daily. I'll focus on the shield of faith with which we can extinguish the flaming missiles and also the sword of the Spirit. Soldiers do not manufacture their ammunition on the field of battle, do they? No, it is made and prepared ahead of time, and bullets are stored in, in ammo belts or clips or bandoleros. I want you to look at the cardstock that's near you, and I want you to know that these are 11 verses that can be wonderful, memorized proclamations to send the demons fleeing when temptations and torments come. One has purposely been left blank so that you can fill it out as well. And I just want you guys to know this might be a wonderful tool for you to give and work through with with that special little Luke Skywalker in training as you, Yoda, are explaining to him through teaching and modeling the correct exegesis of the Scriptures. I want you to know that there are extras back at the Welcome Center, including a sheet that has 12 blanks in it you're encouraged to take one of those with and write down the ammunition that you have found has worked in your battles as well. May I encourage you in conclusion to consider the discipline 
which Jesus engaged in during his temptation. It's a discipline of fasting. This could be defined as a brief, voluntary experience of deprivation to prove our hearts, during which God reveals things that control us. Many biblical characters, many of them have fasted. Moses, Elijah, Esther, Nehemiah, Paul and Barnabas, and of course, King Jesus. Prayerfully consider an intermittent fast as it humbles us, weakens our flesh, but strengthens the inner man. As we fast, we feast. It destroys strongholds. There are guidelines given in Scripture. And as a secondary note, intermittent fasting can reap incredible, increasingly uh, large body of information suggests that health benefits come from this as well. But understand that the primary goal of fasting is not a change in circumstances. I want to lose weight, or I want an answer to that prayer. The primary objective of fasting is a change of heart. I like what John Piper says. The heart of fasting is longing. We want to see people healed. We want to see people saved. We want to see marriages reconciled or redeemed. We ache and we long for this to happen. So we ask Jesus to come by putting this exclamation point of longing at the end of our desires. I'd like to ask a group of men to come front and declare God's truth together while I share with you my heart's cry at present for myself and for this church. And then the service is not over. This is just like a commercial late in the show, okay? Please understand, my heart's cry is that the church arise every weekday on mission, dressed in spiritual armor to serve others. That the church arise on a Sunday filled with expectancy to come together and give an offering of praise, not as meek, passive observers, but as active participants. That your church arise on a Monday, returning to our mission field as beacons of light in our homes, our neighborhoods, and at work. Let the church arise, overcoming evil with good. Let the church arise.
the trouble in these times doesn't catch God by surprise. He's still sovereign over Expectation, answer when he calls. Let the church arise. Let us stand for what is holy. Let us stand for what is right. Would you remain standing as we sing to the Lord? All let the church arise. God's Word is powerful. Satan hates it and he cringes, he shudders and shakes in fear of the name of Jesus. Our faith, linked up with the faith of other believers, brings a protective shield around our families, our workplaces, and our communities. We use God's mighty weapons, we read in 2 Corinthians 10. We use those weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Remember this, Satan has no claim over you as a believer. You and I will fail like the first Adam, but we will fail forward because we have Jesus living in our hearts and the Holy Spirit as radar helping us to sense temptation as we walk in Jesus' name, in His power and for His glory, Satan cannot defeat the church. Let's do a faith-strengthening exercise as we close and sing songs to each other and to our Lord. In this time of desperation,
when all we know is doubt and fear. There is only one foundation. We believe, we believe in this broken generation. When all is dark, you help us see. There is only one salvation. We believe. We believe. Declare it together. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and it's coming back again. We believe. So, so let our faith be more than anthems, greater than the songs we sing. In our weakness and We believe that he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And he's coming back again. Let the lost be found and the dead be raised in the here and now. Let love and faith, let the church live out. Our God will say, we believe, we believe. And the gates of hell will not prevail for the power of God. good to gather together and build each other's faith, to declare God's Word. 
always be in tune with the radar that the Holy Spirit has put within you. Be biblically literate so that you are not spiritually vulnerable. And be encouraged. God is with you and goes with you and He uses you despite your humanity. Take this as a benediction. It's from 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you His peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. Army of the Lord, serve Him with humility, dedication, and gladness. You are dismissed.